Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride, and we're back on the Disciple Making Podcast. And we're going to pick up uh, where we left off last time when we were talking about uh, Darren's work on studying the DNA of a Christ follower and the uh, eight essential traits of what a fully discipled person looks like. So Darren, pick it up, and uh, I look forward to discussing these traits with you. Right on. Thanks, Tim, so much. Yeah, I look forward to sharing these things. And what I would say, it's this is a description, I think, all of these traits you know, are present as we, as we grow. And, and it's, there's a really a continuum along the way that these traits, I think are, are present in some measure, you know, at birth as a follower of Jesus. And then they're all like growth areas that we continue to grow in. And and that'll become clear as we go through that. These are not areas that we kind of check off and say, Oh, I've got this mastered. (laughs) You know, I've done that. It's really, you know, character becoming Christ-like is, you know, as a lifelong journey. Uh, But these traits I think are inherent in every, every believer. And I will say too, Tim, that some of these traits are very obvious that if you were anybody's to sit down and say, write a list of things that a Christian or a follower of Jesus is like, some of these traits will show up in in almost everybody's list. But some of them, you know, as I was doing my study are things that I would not have maybe thought to add to the list, but they became so prominent when I asked the question, what are the traits? And they showed up throughout the New Testament. And uh, I'll, I'll try to flag those as we go along as well. Well, that's great. I, I sort of see them as practices. Uh, as you grow up, your practice of whatever it may be, uh, it's just your, it just frames how you develop as a person. And as we talked last time, uh, these are character quality, uh, characteristics uh, of, of a person's, not only their devotion to, to God, but how it uh, develops out of their life, the descriptions you know, we talked about yeah the fruit of the spirit and things like that, but but these are actually uh, essential traits or qualities. You call them the DNA of a Christ follower. Yeah, yeah, like these are descriptors of what a, what a follower is, not what a follower does. There's obviously implications in what they do, and even in explaining what these things are, you have to get into the do a little bit. But they are, you know, a follower of Jesus is this and is this. That's the way. That's the approach I've taken. So let's jump right into the eight. The first one is a lover of God. All right. There, you know, there's no no way getting around loving God and loving people, which are the first two, you know, the greatest commandments. And of course, it's not just isolated to those verses where Jesus unpacks them, but it's woven through scripture. And, and the big thing about being a lover of God is, is understanding that loving God is a little different than the popular conception of love. It, it goes beyond warm fuzzies. It goes beyond emotion and includes something that you really don't see in a lot of other love relationships, and that is obedience. Hmm. Yeah, you know, when I looked at the end of John's gospel, after the resurrection, you know, the disciples are at their fishing, and they haven't had much luck, and Jesus appears, and they have this great catch, and Jesus takes Peter aside, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really love me? He asks him three times, and immediately he tells him to act out on that love towards other people. Mm. Yeah, I, I love, you know, in, in Scripture, love is so concrete. You know, it, it is not merely, it, it's, you know, we talk about love as a decision, all that kind of stuff, but it's very concrete in relation to the Lord, and it is about obeying Him. 
Jesus himself said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. I don't know any other relationship where you can really say that with such accuracy. You know, uh, you, you might try to get away with it in a marriage situation, but I don't know if that quite flies. But in terms in relation to Jesus, to love him is to obey him. And if we, you know, if we say we love him, but we're not obeying, there's a disconnect there biblically. Yeah, we've talked in uh, previous podcasts about how obedience, you know, when we were growing up, we always obeyed so we wouldn't be punished. And a lot of the time, that's why we obeyed, to avoid punishment. But in our relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit is transforming us into his image. And when we obey, it's actually an acknowledgement that we want to become like Jesus as the focus of our identity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's basically doing what Jesus did, right? In, in obeying the Father. We follow Jesus. We obey him. We call people to join us in following Jesus, to, you know, to imitate, imitate us in our obedience of him. And so it really is core. I don't want to I don't want to boil love down to just obedience. It is obviously bigger than that and does include, you know, that heart component. We saw, you know, the Ephesian church, how they lost their first love. And it wasn't that they weren't obedient any longer. They lost a passion. So there's a passion side to it. But there's the concrete side as well, uh, which comes down to just what he makes clear to me, I will do. You know, a prior commitment, a blank check before he's made his call, we've already decided to follow. Yeah, you talked about love, how it isn't maybe a version of the emotive response that the world gives. So that sort of leads us into the third trait, which is simply you have the one word as a chapter heading, holy. Do you want to unpack that a bit? Sure. Can I just back up for a sec, Tim? Go to lover of people just for one second. Oh, sure. Yeah. I really wrestled with lover of people, not the trait. Like I knew that was the trait, but in terms of explaining, how do you explain what it means to love people in a comprehensive way? Uh, like this was one of the hardest ones for me to you know put into words. And basically I, I went to, okay, why should we even love people? <laughs> and it came down to being created in the image of God and God loves them. And so, you know, as a part of our following of the Lord who loves them, we, we love them. But then what does it look like? You know, how, how does it show up? And and I, I came to the conclusion that it's acting in their best interests, hmm. okay. that it's doing what's best for them, like truly best for them, not necessarily even what they want, but what is best for them because of their inherent value. Hmm. And that, you know, that then becomes, um, sometimes it requires courage to confront, maybe even share in our faith, but it's because we love people. That's the core motivation. And to just have our hearts captured by God's love for the people for a person or people in general, that's really when we grow in this trait. Yeah, I remember uh, years ago sitting on a church leadership team and we were trying to come up with our values, our convictions. And uh, the first one basically stressed that since God loves people, we love them too. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah. That's what God is doing all the time. Uh, God demonstrated his love to us in this while we're even sinners or enemies, uh, you know, Jesus died for us. And, and therefore, it, it's a life of loving people. Yeah. And uh, we can never get away from that. So, so do you want to unpack now the next trait uh, sure. instead of being holy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, holiness, again, that's a pretty obvious one in the sense that, you know, there's, there's entire massive chunks of the Bible highlighting holiness. I believe, for instance, the book of Leviticus is a statement of the holiness of God, the differentness of God and how how difficult it is for the unholy, you know, to approach the holy. And so we see this, you know, and God is described as holy, holy, holy in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, which in, you know, in both Hebrew and, and Greek is, is a way of really accentuating that word. He's not just holy, 
He's not just holy, holy, he's holy, holy, holy. And he calls us to be like him in that. And so, you know, the, the challenge, of course, is what is holiness? It's a, it can be seen as a, you know, a, a churchy or Christiany word, but the core of it is being set apart, yeah. being different in the right way. And, you know, when we come to faith, God sets us apart. We are called to, you know, endorse that set apartness. Romans 12, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then we grow in holiness, our practical outliving of actual holy conduct. So there's kind of layers to holiness. And, and I think that makes it hard for some people to understand. Yeah, I know in, in the Bible, when it says that in terms of separateness, unfortunately, people say, you know, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm. In terms of uh, we are to be removed and cloistered away. But that was never the intent. Uh, we are to be in the world, but live a life of a difference. Uh, what would be someone's motivation to, to live that life of holiness, Darren? Well, you know, Jesus, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And basically, as salt and light, we go into places that are, you know, that are, that are bland and dark. And we bring the life of Jesus. And we represent him. We are his, his ambassadors, not just in sharing the gospel, but in actually representing his 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 love and grace in the world. And so holiness makes us different in a good way and helps us change the atmosphere and change the flavor and change the tone. And again, it just, uh, as, as Christians, Christ-like ones, we represent him, we carry his presence. And so holiness is about being the presence of the Lord wherever we are. Yeah, there's a saying, you sort of become like the people you hang out with. <laughs> and in terms of uh, being a lover of God and a lover of people, uh, if, if we can translate our love for God and his love for us to other people, uh, there, there will be a sense of set-apartness, holiness, another word in the Bible, uh, to be sanctified, to be set apart, but it's always to be set apart for a purpose, for his use. Mm. And uh, as we obey, obviously, uh, it's such a thrilling experience. Anything on that before we uh, go on to the next? Uh... No, just just to note, uh, as you're talking there, just to recognize that each of these things do link together. It's hard to talk about any one of these in isolation from the others, you know? Like, even as we talk about holiness, we're almost beginning to talk about some other traits uh, yeah. because they're all, you know, they're woven together. They're not like separate, they're not like separate traits. They're, they're like the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. You know, all facets of one thing. And this is, you know, part of what, what being like Jesus is. Well, as you're talking about that, I remember, you know, as a kid, I grew up with a Rubik's Cube. Remember those? Where you, oh, yeah. Six, six sides and, you know, some people get like really good at this and they actually can solve it uh, behind their backs. Uh, for me, I, I had to look at them all, but I was very uh, aware that these six sides are inseparably bound by the core, but, but they all have their own flavor. But when you turn one side, it changes other things as well. Like they're interconnected. So uh, let, let's move on to, to the next one. Uh, it's truth-based. That's a trade. What does it mean to be truth-based? Yeah. Well, and truth-based is primarily about being Bible-based, though I would also add that it means that we are we have a bias for truth, that, that we fight our, you know, our confirmation biases and all these other different you know, cognitive biases that we face. Uh, and it's really about, though, being in, having the Word of God integrated, knowing it, believing it, applying it. And, you know, it's interesting, just as, as we're recording this, my wife just this week finished, um, she's now memorized from the book of Ephesians right through to the end of the book of Jude. 
Wow. <laughs> and she's just immersed herself in that. And she's actually memorized other portions of scripture as well, but that's in a block. That's she has that all in one single block. And she, you know, she just, just integrates it. She turns them into prayers for people. Uh, you know, she's always, uh, things remind her of different verses in different places all the time. And that's, you know, uh, you know, a fairly, I don't call it extreme, but fairly, fairly visible example of someone who's just immersed in the word and not everybody necessarily can do that. But I think it is about just being so passionate for God's truth. You know, we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that happens through the word of God and the spirit of God. And as, as followers of Jesus, just having our thinking changed by God's word is so, so important. Yeah, as you're talking about truth, I, I think in the world today, the maxim is, uh, you know, truth is relative. Your truth might not be my truth. And so we'll just sort of, you know, pl pluralism, we'll, we'll just sort of get along with each other and we won't step on each other's toes. H however, you know, biblical truth, uh, unfortunately, it, it, it doesn't, it's like oil and, and uh, water. It, 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 it doesn't mix because there's a distinctive about biblical truth. You know, in Psalm 1, where it talks, uh, the one who is blessed by God, he meditates on God's truth day and night. And that, that word meditate, say, say, live on a farm and have uh, cattle or cows, you, you know, that uh, they regurgitate food, uh, stomachs, and they get every single bit of nourishment out of that food. Mm -hmm. And that's the view of just meditating on uh, the word of God. I, I'm still in awe over your wife's uh, ability to memorize all that scripture to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've we've both done a fair bit, but she's she has definitely surpassed me in that, and it's been so beneficial. You know, when when I was in Bible school, the first well, the first big chunk I memorized was the Sermon on the Mount. But preparing to be a pastor, I memorized the pastoral letters, and just because I thought okay, I'm going to be a pastor, I better figure this out, and that just helped me so much, just to kind of soak in it and let it roll through. And I really became partial, especially to Second Timothy, yeah. and I'll often go back to Second Timothy, and you know reread it and think about it and just remind myself what I'm called to be and do as a leader, as a Christian leader, you know, and, and again, God's word is just, it, it gives us so much direction for every situation in life. Yeah. A few thoughts as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking since you memorized the, uh, the sermon on the Mount, as it were, you know, in chapter seven, uh, we, we all know the parable of, of the wise and foolish builders. And Jesus said, the one who reads my word and puts it into practice. That that's, So many people don't stress that. They just, well, I, I read the Bible every day. But this is to be, um, you know, in terms of the topic of this podcast, we're talking about becoming a Christ follower. Mm -hmm. And it isn't about puffing yourself up with knowledge. It's actually applying and putting it into practice. Yes, absolutely. And again, it, it's, you know, it, it's about, it's about being different. It's about, if you love me, you'll be my commandments. You know, it all, it kind of all circles together tightly. Yeah. So Jesus, you know, he said of himself, uh, of truth, he said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. So the, the beautiful thing about uh, where you're taking us here, Darren, is it keeps pointing us back to Jesus. Hmm. Uh, and now we have the truth as a foundation that we can use as a reference point for how we are to act towards others. Uh, so I'm looking at my list here. Evangelistic is the next trait. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, again, a, another fairly obvious one, you know, being someone who proclaims the good news. And, well, it looks like I'm long-winded enough to split this into two parts. And so uh, come back next time for part three and the next four 
uh, traits of a follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.